Hi everyone, welcome to Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy, and I am Saitama. If you know who Saitama is, I will buy you a drink this Saturday, if you're listening to this on Friday, February the 7th of 2020. Keep that in mind, it has to be the year 2020. If you happen to know who I am, and it's like the year 2040 when you're listening to this, and the world is not covered with water. I'm not going to buy you a drink. I may have to purchase you oxygen at that point. Because I don't think we'll have viable air at that time in the world. But who knows? You never know. It could be cute. We could have like Febreze air. It comes in a can. You spray it when you need to breathe. And when you run out, you kind of just run the fuck out. I mean, we know that's how the world works. <laughs> Forget me in my negative way of thinking. But thank you for listening. Thank you for all the support. Um, I gotta shout out this platform and show just all together. Officially, I have had eleven hundred listeners. Eleven I'm sorry, not eleven hundred, eleven thousand. I shorted myself there. Eleven thousand five hundred listeners. Since I started this um, almost a year ago, almost a year ago is where we're at. You can hear a year of my weekly freaking rants and nasally voice and going on about things that make no fucking sense. You can listen to that. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio, on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Breaker, on Stitcher, on Himalaya. You can hear it everywhere. I'm sorry, I'm feeling myself for a moment. Thank y'all, though. Without y'all listening and your support, I wouldn't be at this point of doing this. And I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, Of course, if you want to interact with the show, you can always do so on all of the socials at Lifestyle of Gay Black Boy or hashtag LGBB or at lifestyle gbb i'll be sure to respond listen read write send a smoke signal do some american sign language or maybe even do an etch a sketch for you with a response and i hope that you appreciate the response because the response is the response um also if you want to reach out by email feel free to do so at lifestyle gbb at gmail.com that's lifestyle g is in gay b is in black b is in boy at gmail.com i'll be sure to read your emails and along with your dms or emails um our limit for this week that's coming up you can throw in 46 curse words before i stop reading if they're like sentence enhancers and not focused at me, I'll keep going. But if you're calling me a bitch with a horrible uh, smelling vagina or something, I'm only going to go so far. Because, I mean, those jokes last about 30 seconds long. So, can't go in there or that. But it also, the opposite side of it, if you want to stay anonymous, I'll keep you anonymous. I won't say your name. I will make you so anonymous you won't know what happened to your tax return because somebody else claimed it. That's how anonymous you shall be. So, um, you know, let's kind of just get into it today. Today's episode is gay, black, and chasing the bag again. And when I say chasing the bag, I'm chasing the mailbag. This is a mailbag episode. I know a lot of you have written in over the past couple of weeks and there's things that I have not answered. There are things that I've not responded to, but I sent you a message back saying, hey, I'll respond to it on the show eventually, not to give you a time frame and not to set an expectation I can't meet. But I thought this would be great because it's a great moment to reflect and talk with everybody um, and answer your questions. Tomorrow... Well, technically today, February 7th of 2020 is AIDS Remembrance Day. And that's going to be one thing that I want to talk about. And you know what? Let's start it off. Because every month, like I said in the past, I want to do an 
episode that focuses on HIV and AIDS and STIs and prevention, treatment, and just education. Let's remove that stigma. So before I start getting into our mailbag, a little PSA. I am HIV positive. I've said it multiple times already. Um, it's For me, it's common knowledge because I've lived with it for the last 16 years. For the world, it's going to be common knowledge if you listen to this. If you happen to be in a state or place in your life right now where maybe you just found out you were recently diagnosed, or maybe you're in that awkward stage of knowing you're positive and trying to forgive yourself, but you can't forgive yourself. It's okay to feel those feelings. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to take a moment and acknowledge like, fuck, man, I have fucking HIV. It's okay. A lot of times now in this world and the things that I see, it just in general, HIV is not in the forefront of people's minds anymore because it has become so treatable. But even though it's so treatable and it's something that's so much easier to manage and not a death sentence anymore, it still has that stigma in people's minds. And I can understand if you just found out or you know somebody who just found out or if you're afraid because you don't know your status and you think it's going to be the worst news that you'll receive in your life, not because of the treatments that are in place anymore, but because the stigma that's attached to it, understand that you have a community of lifelong survivors, long-time survivors of having HIV who can be a support and a voice to help you understand that you're not alone. <clears throat> it's a little scary sometimes when I hear um, just in life, that some people would give up if they got HIV. And it's not the end of the world. It really isn't. It's actually more of the beginning. Um, I'll say it for myself. There's a point in time, and it was funny, when I first found out I was positive, a counselor who was with me, and if you go back into a few episodes, uh, the last, the first HIV episode I did, actually, um, I tell my story of when I found out that I was positive. And the counselor who was there, I love her, love her, love her, love her. Huh, you are just the rock of my life. Um, but she said something to me that I didn't understand until I experienced it. And what she said to me, she said, one day you're going to wake up, you're going to look in the mirror, you're going to say to yourself, I have HIV. And you're going to be happy about it. Say it again. She said to me, one day, you're going to look in the mirror. You're going to say you have HIV. And you're going to be happy about it. Now, that moment in time, sitting in her office, I was like, you are fucking crazy. You just saw me bawling my eyes out less than a year ago, looking like I just got hit with an ugly stick train and someone else's shit all at once. And I'm going to be happy for that moment. Now, I didn't say that to her, but that was what's going through my head. <clears throat> Lo and behold, years later, and even now, now when I think about the fact that I have HIV... There's no more fear, sorrow, or sadness attached to it. I'm actually quite happy about it. Um, getting to this point in my life, it helped me realize that, one, it's not a death sentence. Two, I have so much to this world that I can offer and people can offer me. My life is just not invalid. Three, no one deserves to be infected with HIV. And four, I have come a long way. I've come a long way. And uh, who would have thought something that was so terrifying growing up as a kid, hearing that HIV is a death sentence, 
something that struck so much fear in me when I would think or even hear about it, has brought me to some of the highest peaks in my life because it's made me even stronger and made me more aware of my body. So I think I'm just going on a rant. Uh, Excuse me, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm going on a rant and I'm just saying things and just talking about it because... I just still don't know how to process some of the HIV conversations just in my head that pertain to me. Um, But someone out there, if it made sense to you, very happy to hear that. I'll embrace you with a hug because uh, it, it can feel lonely. It can feel hard at times. But don't give up. Don't just lay down and die. Don't think that because you have HIV... Your life is over and no one else will love you. There's so much love in this world and there's so much you can gain from this experience. Keep pushing on. So uh, (laughs) that's all I had to share about that. But uh, I thank y'all for listening to it. So we're going to get into some of these questions in the mailbag. Um, and the mailbag is just a hodgepodge right now. I really don't have a rhyme or reason to it. I love seeing what you guys send over to me. I love hearing your ideas, thoughts, and things you want advice on. So I'm just going to go through some of these. Um, everybody's going to get an anonymous name today because no one really indicated if they wanted their name said. So I don't want to, you know, out you on that. So <clears throat> I got a question in... And I'm going to call you Jamal. And uh, Jamal said, I'm new to podcasting. Do you have any advice for a newbie like me? Uh, My voice sounds garbled. How should I go about speaking? Okay. So thank you, Jamal, for sending this to me. I am no expert in any way, shape, or form. So please, no one think I'm giving expert advice because I'm only giving the advice that I have gone off so far. The first thing test out a few different microphones and a few different recording environments and uh, equipment that you use. So all of my episodes have been posted from my cell phone using the Anchor app, but I have tried out and tested out a few microphones just at Best Buy and a few other stores that have them, and they'll let you test them out. Some of them sound really good. Some of them don't sound so good. Um, There's a few things online that you can look for as far as suggestions, uh, other podcast forums. They give you some good things because I found out not all microphones are created equally. They are not. Um, Some of them are meant for being in a loud environment when you're recording. Some of them are meant for one-on-one, like you're that one person with that one mic. Others can be shared mics, you know, little dirty whores of the microphone world who they just want to be passed amongst all of the participants. Some of them, you can just sit in the middle of a group of people and they pick up on quite a lot of sound. So it takes some moments to test them out. Um, I will tell you this, right now as I record, to get the quality of my voice to where I want it to be, I do two things. One, I test out my microphone or whatever my recording device is before I start recording. So I'll give you an example of it. Before I actually record a full episode, I will take five minutes and just go on some stupid rant on my microphone using my cell phone or my laptop and listen how it sounds when I play it back. I'm not listening to what I'm saying. I'm listening to The words of just, can I understand each word that I say? Can I understand each word that is coming to my ears? Um, Another thing, when you say you sound garbled, uh, two things that I would want to ask you is, do you have a lisp? And that's not a judgment call. If you do have a lisp, because I have a slight lisp, I do have to enunciate more than I would just talking with somebody who's directly in front of me. It is very easy for my pronunciation and my words to sound very jumbled or muffled when I talk because it's just kind of how I talk sometimes. Sometimes I'm just trying to get all of the syllables out at once. So it's like, blah, blah, blah. And it's not a word to somebody else who hears it 
because I'm kind of mumbling it. But if I say it, I know what I meant, what I was trying to say, you know. So enunciating a little more and talking at a slightly slower pace than you normally do in your everyday life. I'm not saying slow it down to one word a minute for the last 24 hours. Degree deodorant. It works. I'm not saying slow it down like that. What I'm saying is slow it down from where you typically talk at. So I'm a fast talker. I kind of just get shit out, blurt it out, keep it moving. Boom, 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 boom. We're done. When I talk and I'm recording, I take that back just a step. So as opposed to me talking very fast, I'm just talking fast. You'll learn to regulate this for yourself. I would imagine if you were tapping your foot to make your foot go slightly slower. Just so much that you would notice it, but somebody watching you doesn't notice it. It can be kind of complicated when you think of it. Another thing that's a great tool, especially if you think you sound mumbled or jumbled when you speak, is have somebody else listen to what you recorded and ask them to tell you what you said. Not what it was about, but what did you say? If they can pinpoint lines out of what you're saying, you're probably not that bad off. But if they look at you and say, I can't go back to one sentence you said, you may want to rethink your recording device or the speed that you talk or whatever you're doing. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you this as well. I am, well, I was very shy about my voice. It was a bullying apparatus for me growing up. My voice really was one of those people who was like, oh, you talk gay or you talk like you're white or you sound white. That was the things I would hear back a lot. Don't change that. That's your authentic voice. And if you are recording and you're trying to change your voice for the recording, for what you feel people would be accepting more of, you're going to sound funny and your words are not going to be as impactful as they could be. Fuck what other people think. Fuck how your voice sounds to them. As long as your message is coming through, that's what's most important. I mean, if you make good content, they'll come. That's the only thing I can really say about that. Um... I hope that helped Jamal write in. Let me know if it did. If it didn't, it's okay. Um, we'll just try it again. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to go to my next thing for the mailbag. But as I'm pulling that up, uh, so Danny and I, if you don't listen, I hope you listen to the podcast, Yo, That's Gay. That is Danny and my podcast together. Uh, We just received our first unsolicited dick pic in our inbox. It was a sweet gesture because she said hello. You asked how we were doing first. And then, bam, there's a big old floppy dick on the screen. Please don't send unsolicited dick pics. I mean, I love a dick pic just as much as the next queen. But at least let me ask for it. Before you respond to my good morning with your nutsack. Like, it's just awkward. And I don't know how to feel. Because I can't see your face. But I see this wrinkly ass dick on my phone. Just saying. (laughs) So, first question that was in the mailbag. And I think this generated from a video that's actually been online lately. But I really liked it. Um, This actually came from Musa. And Musa sent over... This is the question of the day that I have for you. If you were at a funeral and knew of the deceased dark past, would you go to the podium and air out their dirty laundry? Now, the petty in me. Whenever I think about a funeral of somebody I don't like, especially if the deceased was a fuck nigga or a fuck boy, Let's keep it PC. A fuck boy. The petty in me wants to go up to that altar, tip over that casket, and just air out all of the shit this fuck boy did. It's the petty in me. And I would go deep into it. 
Like it was a cold, cold night on September 23rd of 2012. And this bitch came home and pulled out his dick and I saw a herpes sore. <laughs> like I would go that deep and that petty in my mind. Um, I don't think in the real world... I would go up to the podium and air out their dirty laundry. At that point, I feel like it would reflect negatively on me and I would look like some bitter bitch that never got over the past. So for me, part of it is appearances of why I wouldn't say something like that. The other part of it too is, you know what? The person who's being buried is probably a piece of shit in this scenario. Piece of fucking shit. Who fucking cares? The world is probably better in this scenario. But I don't want to pass somebody along to the afterlife with me being petty towards them. Again, this kind of comes back to me and not that individual who could have done something. Let's say the deceased has done something terrible to me. As much as I would want to say, bitch, I hate you. The other side of it is that When it's sunny out, I can come and stand on top of your grave and smile down at your decaying body, knowing that I'm still here. So I think that's more of a victory for me, as opposed to going to the podium and talking to a bunch of people I probably don't know or give a fuck about to air out this bitch's dirty laundry about the fact that he wore the same underwear six days in a row and then had the nerve to say I was trying to turn you on with my man scent, but your man scent smelled like cheese. Gross. Yeah, it's a true story, y'all. That came from real life experience. Needless to say, that situationship ended that moment that day. <laughs> But I like this question. It's actually really good. But if you don't know the video I'm talking about that I referenced as I was starting the beginning of my answer, there's a video out online right now. And I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's fake. But apparently there's a family or two families or a group of people uh, who are at a funeral procession. And some of the people break into the back of the hearse, pull out the dead man's body and end up throwing it across like the way onto a windshield of a car. And it's just crazy. I don't know if this question was generated from that, but it made me think of it. But no, I wouldn't do that either. I'm not touching the dead body because why would I let them feel warmth on their skin as they're going to the afterlife? So boy, bye. (laughs) All right. So another question that came in. Now, this one came in a little bit later, uh, but this is from Eric. So Eric, I'm going to make it up this name. Eric said, have you ever ended... A relationship over bad sex would you do the same thing today or respond differently it's not the way it was written is how they read it i paused awkwardly for like a good minute eric so don't hate me so let's start with the beginning of this have you ever ended a relationship over bad sex and that answer is yes if for me it is yes um I hope I didn't trigger anybody out there. Excuse me, I did just burp. Uh, I hope I didn't trigger anybody out there with that. But yes, I have entered a relationship over bad sex. Because at points in my life, sex was the relationship and sex has meant a lot to me. Quite frankly, sex is a lot to me in a relationship. And even now in my life, If the sex is not on point and we can't work to getting it to where we're both satisfied, this relationship will end. Um, I just think about earlier situations in my life where I've dealt with people in threesomes and thruples and I've come in as an additional partner in certain relationships for people. And I've seen it either thrive or really destroy the relationship. Um, One scenario where I can tell you where it thrived at was... There were two partners, both of them were tops, um, but neither of them were getting fulfilled by each other because they want to fuck. They want to fuck a bottom. So I came in as their, I guess you could call surrogate bottom, where exclusively for that period of time that we were in our situationship, they were the only two men to ever top me. 
It was just a rule we had established. I wasn't living with them. They had their own place. I had my own place. But we had an agreement in place of if somebody is getting fucked, I am getting fucked by those two. And if they're fucking somebody, they're only fucking me. And the sex was amazing. But I bring that up because if the sex was terrible, I would have cut them off that night. Nope, this is not working. This isn't happening. You cannot go past go. You cannot collect $200 and you can't come in the snatch. So that's kind of where I looked at it. Um, And so, yes, in that scenario, bad sex would have ruined my relationship there. If we can't work to fix it, if we can't work to have a common ground, if I'm not being satisfied and you're not being satisfied, then what in the world are we doing? We're just slapping some apples together and making applesauce. Like, what the fuck? It's not good. Um, Now in my life, I have to be quite honest. I would respond the same way. Today in my life, I would respond the same way. That situationship I had was 10 years ago uh, in my 20s. Now, I would still respond the same way. If we can't have sex, whether it's group, individual, whatever, without making sure that we're both mutually fulfilled and we're not leaving each other wanting something as opposed to just wanting more, I'm going to end it. If I can't laugh with you during sex, if I can't have a genuine laugh after sex, that's just awkward to me. I think the most cathartic moment in this world is when you have just slapped uglies with somebody, like straight up, smack down, beat that pussy out the frame, juicy wet, pull the panties to the side sex. If I can't laugh with you during or after that, it wasn't good sex. It wasn't. We were just fucking and you just happened to get lucky and get into the right rhythm. I feel like a laugh is very important after sex. If I can't have that or I can't enjoy that during sex, it's an issue. Sex is very important in a relationship to me. It's not the end all be all. But for me to have that physical satisfaction with my partner and know that I'm physically satisfying them It means a lot to me. So if it's not good sex, it's not able to be worked on, it's not showing any progress, I'm ending that relationship. Boy, bye. Go get a blow-up doll because I have nothing left to give you. My pussy is squeakier, though. But who knows? (laughs) All right, y'all. So what I'm going to do, take a little break here. We're going to come back with some more of your mailbag. So I'll talk to you in a bit. Hi everyone, today's episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy is sponsored by Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, let's talk about it for a little bit because it's not something that's going to tie you down to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. And everybody knows a girl loves free. Free is better than skinny. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. They do all of the work for you. I mean, look at this. You can hear my crazy whiny voice on over 10 platforms already. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And then you can have your voice out there like this little girl here. So check it out, y'all. And let's get back to the show. Hey, y'all. I am back. Um, We're going to hop back into this mail bag. So let's look a little bit deeper in our mailbag. I think that this is going to be one. It's going to be a little more uh, intense. So Dwayne sent a message in and it said this. So Dwayne said, know the difference between listening and actively listening. When you hear something, you aren't always trying to understand or retain what's being said. Instead of actively listening or to comprehend, you are listening to respond. 
When you actively listen, you open the door for a better understanding and will most likely be less defensive and leave less room for misunderstandings. Answer this honestly, please. Do you listen to respond or do you actively listen to comprehend? This is a really good question. I feel like this should be on the SAT. Um, Because it threw me for a loop when I first read it. When I first read this question, and Dwayne, I don't know if you know it, but your question actually poses the scenario directly in front of the person as they're reading it. So I first had to look at it. When I read his question, was I listening or was I actively listening? The first time I read it, I was not actively listening. I was just listening. I was reading the words, comprehending the words, listening to myself say the words, but I was preparing a response before I even finished a sentence. So then I read it again. When I read it again, I put myself in a different frame to actively listen to the words that were coming out of my mouth. Was I comprehending what I was reading? It's important to just think about that for a minute because I do it all the time. I'm pretty sure other people do it where you'll read something, something that is like, oh, this is important. This is something I should know. But you never comprehended it. When I think of listening and active listening, it comes to comprehension. Listening, I'm watching the scenario. I'm saying, "Uh uh-huh, nodding my head. When you ask me for a follow-up question, I bring in something completely random like Neil Peart or who had the largest icicle in the world as opposed to you talking about the fact that somebody important to you has just passed away. Actively listening is not only engaging with maybe verbal or nonverbal cues into the conversation, shows of expression and emotion on your face, It's just being there. It's being there in that moment and not preparing a response to what's being said. And when I reread your question, then I actively listened. I let down my guard. I let down the fact that I was expecting that you expected for me to have a response to you right away, as opposed to just feeling out the energy and situation that your question posed. Active listening can be quite hard. It's something I don't feel I've developed completely ever in my life, and I'm very happy to be at where I'm at. But if you don't actively listen to what's being said to you, you can put yourself in a very, very hurtful, lonely, and dark place, especially in the world of fashion. Um, I mean, I'm not doing fashion, but, you know, my fashion people out there who listen. Um, I just thought this was a fantastic question because... You also have to ask yourself, or at least I had to ask myself when I was answering this question. When I say I'm listening, is that my cue to not listen? When I acknowledge the fact that I have heard what is being said, the excuses or deliberate inconsistencies in my head come out, I'm not actively listening at that point and preparing to respond. And I feel that's where our country is right now, where... I don't really give a fuck about politics, but the Democrats and Republicans, it sounds like they're not actively listening to each other in these conversations. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Country's a shithole. Fuck that. And fuck you, Cheeto. Next question. (laughs) So what are the... Oh, oh, hang on. Oh, this is another question from Eric. Eric, I should have kept your questions together. But Eric also asked, um, this is a question of the day that I had with other people that I work with in a few groups that I'm involved with in social media. I would like to know what you think because I feel like this could be something great. What are the top three things you need in a relationship? Please put them in order and why. Okay. So the top three things that I need in a relationship. The very first one is going to be respect. And I feel like we should break respect down because the respect is a very broad spectrum of things that can occur in a situation, space, or an encounter. Respect to me means that you are not lying to me. If I ask you, where have you been? Or did you fuck him? Or you're in this situation? That's fine. 
tell me yes if you did it. I want to have an open relationship. I enjoy the prospects of having an open relationship. So to me, knowing that my partner has slept with somebody else is not something that would end my relationship. But I want the respect of you coming to me and telling me or answering my question without trying to hide something in this scenario. I feel if you're hiding things from me, that means you don't respect me because you are saying that I do not have the mental and physical capacity to handle the situation or the actions that you made. That went a little deeper than I thought it would. But respect would be number one. Number two of things that we need in a relationship are space. I need space. In a relationship, space is very, very, very important to me. Um, We are definitely coming together as a family, as a unit, working to build something together or play a role in each other's lives. I understand that. But I do want to make sure that at the end of the day, I have a space or a situation or time to just call my own. Not to be with anybody else, but just to be by myself. To have that moment to reconnect with Andrew and say, hey, you know what? He likes blueberry pancakes with strawberries on top, a little whipped cream, and a dollop of daisy. And I feel like pancakes should just be enjoyed the plain way they are with a little bit of butter, syrup, or a little bit of melted peanut butter. And I want somebody who can understand that it's okay that I feel that way. And I understand that they would love to eat lunch together. They would love to sit hand in hand by the beach. That is not me 24-7. But being able to have our own delegated space to enjoy what we enjoy, I think would be something more amazing to me than spending my time all the time with the same person 24-7. And the last thing I need in a relationship, I need comedy. We have to be able to laugh. We have to be able to goof around. I have to be able to beat you up with a pillow and laugh about it. And then we wrestle and you tickle me and then whatever else happens. I want to be able to joke with you. Inappropriate jokes, dark jokes, light jokes, funny jokes, completely unfunny jokes. I want to be able to just have fun and smile and laugh. If you can't provide me those three things in a relationship, I will let you know now. There is no way on this earth that that relationship will last. Um, It just won't last. Not for me. Um, Another thing that came in with this question, this wasn't from Eric. Uh, This was actually from, and I'm going to call you Rahim. Um, Rahim sent this over. And it kind of came out at the same time that the other question came over. But um, it was just like, hey, i like to get to know you. And I want to know what are two of your pet peeves? Um, and you know what, Raheem? That's a very good question. I can just tell you right now what two of my pet peeves are. First pet peeve are people who keep their shoes on in the bed. Or keep their shoes on and cross their legs and their shoe ends up touching their couch. Or keep their shoe on. People who keep their goddamn shoes on when they don't need damn shoes on. Huge fucking pet peeve. Shoes are gross. They are disgusting. You're tracking in things. You're taking things out. Gross. I hate shoes. And I hate people who put their bare feet out in my house. Bitch, put on some socks. I don't want to see your toes. I don't got time for it. This is all me up in here. Yeah. That is a uh, pet peeve of mine. (laughs) The other pet peeve of mine that I could say is like a major pet peeve for me. That is when people talk in the third person. I have never enjoyed it. I've hated it. I feel like it diminishes the conversation you're trying to have. And it just makes everybody else around you stupid. Because I know that you are Peter. I don't need to hear Peter say, well, Peter says, Peter, go eat a fucking pumpkin, you pumpkin seed eater, because we don't need to hear that. Or that's like me sitting here and saying, well, you know, well, Andrew's not going to do that. 
I'm Andrew. So I'm just going to say, I'm not going to do that. I hate when people talk in third person. Pisses me off. It's definitely something that I hate. So I've got another question here. Um, this came around the time of the Grammys. Um, yeah, that was one of the most recent award shows. And it's pertaining to Billy Porter um, and how he was dressed. So this question, this came from... Oh, I got to find your name. I'm going to say you're Paul. I'm going to call you Paul because your username kind of looks like a Paul. Um, but so what Paul said is, hey... Um, I want to talk about something that I feel is important and I would love to hear what you think as well. What are your thoughts on how gay black men are presented in Hollywood and the mainstream media? Please note that the pic that is associated with this question is not meant to be a read on Billy Porter or how he looked at the Grammys. So, uh... I think I called you Paul. Paul, for me, I feel that the representation of gay black in the the media has always been bad. Now, I want to explain this because I do not feel Billy Porter is bad. I don't at all. I don't feel how he's presented is bad. But when I think about gay black men being reported in the media, mainstream media, news, social media, uh, crap things like TMZ and all those crap TV shows. I don't like the representation because we're always stigmatized or vilified when we are presented in the media. Um, If you're not flamboyant and you happen to be a, uh, how am I going to say it? Toxic masculinity presented male. Um, you're, you're fine. As far as the straight world, if you can pass as a straight male, if you can't pass, or maybe you say you're passing, but then it comes out that you have been sleeping with men, you're called DL and maybe you're not DL, but I don't know if how many of you remember it, especially my younger listeners out there. But there was a episode of Oprah's talk show before where she was talking with uh, the author of Stella Got Her Groove Back. And if you don't know the whole scandal with Stella Got Her Groove Back, the author, um, can't remember her name for the life of me right now. She was quite the horrible bitch anyways. But she ended up meeting a man in like Jamaica or something got all hooked up with them. They were having hot, passionate sex. And then she married him and got him like citizenship in the United States. Well, because she got him citizenship, everything was all good. And so she figured out that he was actually into men um, and decided to leave her to be with a man. Then all of a sudden, he's DL. He's this terrible creature that just tricks and lies to women. And he's got AIDS or he's going to give you AIDS because he's fucking with the man. And because he's fucking with the man, STDs are already there no matter what kind of safety precautions you're taking. Now, this was presented through Oprah's show because Oprah had her, the author, on the show to talk about her experience with her And I'm going to put this in air quotes, DL man. Now, Jonathan Tubman is his name. He is not anybody's DL. Any gay could have picked him out from a mile away. But that created one negative stereotype for men in media, especially gay black men. The other thing is we're either hyper feminized. Now, hyper feminization is different when it comes to being forced to do it. Or doing it because this is something you want to do. And the scenarios where I've seen or I've heard of the reporting of it being forced is completely unacceptable. It's terrible. It's doing nothing to benefit anybody. It's doing nothing for the culture. It's not promoting art. You're literally just repackaging hate and trauma to get money. But in cases when I see like Billy Porter... Um, E.J. Johnson, that's Magic Johnson's son, B. Scott, um, 
Kyla Minx, who's here in Rochester. Uh, when I see these men of color who are just enjoying who they are, wearing what they want to wear, displaying what they want to display, displaying something that could be considered traditionally, in air quotes, feminine, or traditionally, again, in air quotes, masculine. It's so beautiful to see people who break out of that mold and do something that's amazing. And I don't like the fact that in the media that is portrayed as, I'm not going to say the norm, but I'm going to say that's this... uh earth-shattering, fierce, and all these exuberant gay terms with fan claps in the background. We're just living who we are. I do the same thing. I like to do a play on gender. I like to play different things and wear different things that would be considered feminine or masculine. And it's just part of my life. It's just part of who I am. Um, I do hate to see how black people, especially black queer people, are portrayed in the mainstream media because none of it is a real-life scenario or who we are. A lot of it is hyperized, hyper-stylized, that's the word I'm looking for, or just completely fictional. And it's a little scary because it's an erasure of who we are. Um, So I don't like how we're portrayed. But what I do love, Billy Porter, you are my icon, And if I can wear some shit and look as bad as you do, bitch, talk to me. Talk to me. I love it. Um, All right. So we're going to have another thing here. Uh, Just skimming through a little bit of the mail bag. All right. So Ariel wrote in this. Ariel said, so 2020. I'm committed to doing better in the communication department for all of my relationships, friends, family, etc. I'm not perfect and go to work, though, through, I, sorry, I'm not perfect and got to work through some things, but in all, having a support system is key. Now that's out the way, I'm sorry, now that that's out the way, I need some guidance, counsel, maybe a reality check. So I'm asking for a friend. I'm sure that you have expectations when it comes to dating somebody and moving to the next level and how to get from point A to point B. How have you dealt with failed expectations? Also, are there universal expectations when it comes to dating or being in a relationship? You know, concepts that don't need discussion that are just common sense. I believe there are some, but common sense is not so common. Please help me. All right, Ariel. So your question is fantastic. Um, you know, I'm just going to d- dive right on in. First thing, whenever I meet somebody, there's no guessing what our expectations are because we have clearly outlined these. And if they are not in a graph or pie chart format, I can put them on one. Because it's going to be that thorough. Before I take somebody home, and this is even after I meet them at a bar, my first question is, what do you want out of this? What is your expectation? I want to know that now. I want to know. Are you just expecting to get a nut off and we never talk again? Are you expecting to have a fuck buddy? Do you think that I'm going to keep sleeping with you and eventually fall in like in love with you? What is it that you want out of sticking your penis inside of me? Very important questions to ask. Um, Because I set those expectations quite early in the beginning and I make it very clear where this situation is going, there's no gray area. There's no uncomfortable silence of what's happening here. Once I stop talking and once you stop talking, we're not sitting here and watching Pokemon. You're taking off your clothes. I'm taking off mine You have apples, I have apples. Let's mush our apples together, make off some applesauce, and go loo, loo, loo. That's what the fuck is about to happen here. That was a good uh, description of sex. I think it was great. Sex is applesauce, y'all. But because I set those expectations up front, we never have to have that awkward discussion of, Oh, I thought that we were this. No, I made it very clear what we are. 
Um, it's just something that's very, very useful and it's great because then the, also the other side of it, it makes it easier for you to leave in the situation or for me to leave in a situation to say, you know what, I'm done because you did not respect the guidelines that I laid out very clearly for you before we got to this point. Uh, and then the other things, a universal expectation I can't say for a relationship there's universal expectations, but if you have to be living with somebody, I feel like there are, like, clean your dishes. Don't disrupt me when I'm diddling myself and you don't disrupt me or I don't disrupt you in that situation. I guess we say that that way. That's, like, universal things, but... I don't know. Everybody that you live with and everybody that you have a relationship with, they're very, very different. I mean, you know, just don't go around abusing them. Don't punch them or any of that shit unless they're into that and you get consent. But I don't really feel like there's these universal expectations when it comes to sharing a space with somebody else. Because when you have your own space, when you're independent, you do everything your own way. And then once you give up that space... It changes, so it's not really universally expected for you to just say, oh, okay, you put the coffee mugs above the microwave. I have to put them under the microwave. It's a very different thing. Uh, but that's all I can say. Um, I like it. I like it, I like it, I like it. Uh, but y'all, that is gonna be it for today's episode we still have some more in this mailbag um just some of the stuff it's a little gonna need a little more energy and i want to bring in some other people for some of these questions so y'all thank you so much for listening i truly appreciate it i cannot say it enough you make this podcast possible so if you're listening and you have a rating option on the podcast app you are listening on please give me five stars please share this please write a comment Share it with all of your friends, your families, your scabies, your herpes, your gonorrhea, your syphilis. Share it everywhere on the cellular level and on the macro world level. I truly appreciate it. Um, to reach out to the show, just hit me up on Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy and all the social medias. And by email at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. Um, y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Can't wait to see you. Have a good one. Bye.